morning, everyone. This is Monica. I'm the coordinator from the Guardian Scholars Program at CSU Bakersfield. Today is Wednesday, June 24th, and we're really excited to be back with you. We've had some awesome guests the last couple of weeks, and today will be no different as we have another uh, really important and inspiring person from our campus joining us, and we're super happy to have him here. But before I get started, um, I'm gonna let my student co-hosts introduce themselves and then we'll introduce our guests for the day. So student co-hosts, take it away. Hey everybody, I'm Jojo. Um, if we haven't met already, I am a senior at CSUB. I have five more classes and I have my bachelor's in psychology and I am a new mom. So nice to meet everybody. And hi everybody, I'm Daisy and I just graduated with my bachelor's in liberal studies and I'm excited to be here as an assistant for the Guardian Scholars and I'm a little nervous, a little shaken because uh, did you guys feel that earthquake that just happened like five minutes ago? Yes, I heard oh, it. I did not. <laughs> that was scary. Yes, I yeah. hadn't felt it that big like ever in Bakersfield. So hopefully no aftershocks during recording, right? Yeah. I was literally standing in the kitchen and I didn't feel it. My best friend came running out the room like, did you feel that? And I'm like, no. She's like, the whole house was shaking. Yeah. I'm like, Journey's still asleep, so. Right. <laughs> I'm in Las Vegas today, so I'm assuming it's going to roll this way at some point. And so I'm waiting for it to hit here. So if it does while recording and I look startled, you'll know. <laughs> you'll know what's going on. <laughs> So anyway, thanks my assistants for being here today. As always, you guys are super supportive and I'm glad to be working with you. And especially today, we talked about that this morning. But anyway, today we have Dr. Cantrell, who is the Associate Vice President of Enrollment Management joining us. And this has been a few weeks in the making and we're super excited to have you here. So Dr. Cantrell, we have like basic questions for you. We just want to know who you are and what you do and how you're connected to our program. And those are kind of the first questions that we have, but I mean, you fill us in, you tell us the details of who you are and what you'd like us to know and, and take it away. We're excited to hear from you. Well, well, I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for this invitation and, and Monica and Jojo and Daisy, this is a highlight of my day already. But it, it is, it is. I, I wish I could do this all day. <laughs> We'll have you back and you'll do it again because this is right. our day. <laughs> well, well, you'll see how I do now to see if you want to invite me back later. So Yes, likewise. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. But no, I'm Dwayne Cantrell. Um, I'm originally from Oakland, California, born and raised. Um, I had an interesting upbringing. You didn't ask me this, but I, have an, I had an interesting upbringing. Uh, so my parents divorced um, early when I was young. Mm -hmm. and, and it was kind of weird because I grew up in the Oakland Hills, which is a wealthier area in Oakland. But when my parents divorced and my dad left, we had no business being there. We could not afford to stay there. Right. Mother stayed there anyway. So she just kind of hustled and, and did her grind to, to keep us there. But, but we really could not afford to be there. Right. And I remember um, just, just being in Oakland and being in, those, in, those, in the, the setting of, of being in a very privileged area but being kind of a person who couldn't afford to be in a privileged area. Right. I remember our lights getting cut off. I remember our water getting turned off. Um, I remember there was a window that was broken in front of our house and we couldn't afford to get it fixed. So we put like a little poster. <laughs> I mean, it was just, it was a ghetto-fied experience, but, <laughs> but it was, uh, 
but it was really interesting because I grew up in this dynamic that was di diverse um, and all that. So my background has a lot of diversities in it and experiences in it. Yes. Um, so, so coming from Oakland, um, I went to, uh, went to Long Beach State out of high school um, in EOP. I was admitted through EOP. That's my connection to EOP. Mm -hmm. And I was in the very first EOP summer bridge program. That's in awesome. of EOP. So that's Love it. <laughs> Love it. Nice. So that just tells my age, right? So 1985, Long Beach State. I was in the, they had two sessions. I was in the second session of the first year of Summer Bridge. So that was a, a very cool experience. So uh, and, and so that's my connection to EOP. Mm -hmm. um, to my career in student affairs, we could talk about that in, in different student affairs areas. I've always worked with students. I've always had a passion for working with students. Mm -hmm in many different respects, um, ended up going into education and, and, and now I'm here. So, right. so who I am, I would say I'm a, I'm a, I'm a multitude of experiences and backgrounds and, and, and all of that. Yeah. I love that you shared that with us because we all come from super diversified backgrounds. We were all marginalized in our own way. I raised two children, much like your mom raised you because I was a single mom for 10 years and my boys were in private school and I had to hustle really hard to keep them from experiencing that shift economically that happens so much so and sometimes even more so for women when we're when we go through divorce or we're single moms you know i i know that a lot of my students and some of my assistants are right in the middle of that experience so thank you for sharing that with us and and this is what we seek to do on this podcast is to be less guarded um, about who we are and how we come to these programs and how we come to this like passion for what we do and commitment for what we do so thank you for sharing that that means a lot to us yeah, thank you so much. Um, one thing that um, really gives me hope is when I see like boys, because I'm a boy mom and I'm also a single mom. So I, I yeah. see men like you and then Monica's children that they're doing so good. And it gives me hope to know that I can, you know, raise a, a boy and he could be successful and he's yeah. going to, you know, follow his dreams. And so listening to these stories just gives me a lot of hope. And yeah, so thanks for sharing that, Dr. Control. Absolutely. And I gave my mother a lot of headaches, so I, I need to prepare <laughs> too. I'm like, I'm pretty sure we all have our fair shares of giving our parents headaches. I know I did. Mm -hmm. Just being able to like relate is one of the most important things of this podcast. Like we want to give each other, our scholars, our listeners, something that they can relate to because a lot of times we always have like this guard up where we can't say certain things or you know voice our opinions or even want to be relatable at sometimes at some point so for us to just come here and relate and just talk and let it all out I think that that's really cool and that you share where you came from because I know I can relate I come from South Central LA I was um I know it's a little off topic but um, I'm from South Central LA. I started off, um, I went to Washington Prep High School. I don't know if you heard of that, Dr. Control. Absolutely. I used I to recruit from, from Washington Prep. I'll tell you about that later. I'm from South Central. I went straight to Northridge when um, I graduated from high school. I joined EOP, which was pretty dope. 
That was one of the best experiences I ever had. And just to be a part of GSP, which is, you know, extended version of EOP in some sort is just even more of a blessing because it helps me stay connected and honestly it keeps me in school. It keeps me motivated and gives me something else to do besides just academics. So I think that that's really cool too. Absolutely. Um, one thing that we wanted to ask you, Dr. Cantron, this, these students, these are student questions. So they want to know, and I think it's because sometimes when you get to upper levels of administration and, you know, um, overseeing things on college campuses, sometimes students look at people in your position as unapproachable, unattainable, or, you know, not, they're not able to relate to you, they think, because they're afraid sometimes to get to know you and what you do. And so one of their questions was really honest and they asked, why are you important to our program? What do you have to do with our program? Guardian Scholars, EOP, like describe that connection for them. Well, that, that's, that's a really good question. And, um, and I can appreciate um, the um, challenge it is in, in approaching leaders. Um, and I remember being a student, again, I was an EOP student. I started at Long Beach State and I transferred to San Jose State and I was an EOP student there too. Um, yeah, and it is, it is difficult to, to go to um, higher level staff because they're busy, one, two, will they accept you when you come in? Three, are your questions gonna be stupid? Four, are you gonna be dismissed? Um, and just, you know, kind of discarded or whatever, just because you may not be important to them at the time. There, there's a lot that goes into that. Um, I think in terms of just connecting for me, because I came from that space and I lived that space and I walked in that space and my career for the most part has been in that space. I haven't forgotten what it feels like to be a student. Right. Um, and I haven't forgotten uh, well, my, my kids, um, both of my kids. I um, went to school as well. My daughter is a senior, I mean, she's a graduate student at, at Northridge now, but just watching her experience coming through high school and my son's experience through high school and college and just watching what they dealt with. I always try to keep myself in the space and in the shoes of a student. Um, and every meeting I sit in, I, tr I try to frame questions of what would the student's experience be if we're going to do this or change this policy or have this conversation how would a student experience this? And so that's very important. So, so I think students should know that, that coming from my area, um, our area deals directly with students. Mm -hmm. Just for me, um, that, that's, I, I'm a strong supporter, advocate, and fan of our students. And so anytime a student has any question at all and wants to see me in person via Zoom or a phone call or anything, I wanna make sure that I'm available um, to them because again, I've been there and I want them to get as far as they can get um, right. in their lives. Right. I appreciate that answer. Um, and I Thank you. Yeah. Even last week when you were, you know, um, enthusiastic, you know, about meeting with me prior to this. And let's talk, you know, as talking about the podcast and the content, I really appreciated that as well. You were available and interested in what we do behind the scenes and preparing for this. So. I really, I see that in your work and I appreciate it. So, yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, okay, so our next question, and it was from our students, is they wanted to know why you wanted to do this podcast, why you were willing, and did you did it seem like fun to you? you know, do you have anything that you want to speak to the students about a little bit more directly? 
Yeah, absolutely. So, so Steve Walsh shared it when he was so excited and proud of the podcast that he said, Dr. Cantrell, you've got to hear this. You've got to hear it. So he sent me the link and I heard it and I, I thought this was, um, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to step out of my administrator role. Yes. For a second. And I, Definitely. I just thought it was dope. I did. I thought it was, <laughs> that was so great. I thought it was, I thought it was, um, authentic. Um, I thought it was unrehearsed and I just thought it was real and I love spaces like that. And so I said to Steve, I said, Steve, this was so cool. I said, if, if there's ever a time you need me, call me, I'd be happy to do it. Um, because it, just hearing students' voices, interacting with students this way, um, if you come into my office where my office space is, we have a number of students who work in the enrollment management area, especially in the admissions registrar area, and I'm constantly walking around constantly and I'm constantly bugging them and I said I know I'm bugging you I'm just saying hi to you and I you know I talk to them I chat them up all the time we're always in conversation um, and I, I just love our students so I, anytime I have an opportunity to connect I will that's awesome I love that response and I know Jojo and Daisy feel this way too because that was when we started talking about like what's our mission statement for the podcast what are our goals we wanted it to be authentic organic mm -hmm. with talk and let's get to know people because we are so isolated as a program right now from campus physically but I didn't want that to continue um, in terms of program development student access and them you know our students feeling like we still are a voice out here we're still having these conversations and interested in it and um, I'm that make right girls does that does that make us so happy to hear that I'm like, yeah, that's honestly, we, we have like a little chat with our, um, with our guests afterwards, but just to hear that our mission or our idea or our expectations of this podcast has been met. We wanted to keep it real pretty much and not have anyone feel like they couldn't express themselves or, you know, we don't want to go too far but still in all, just being able to be honest and open and just have an open, free conversation without it being rehearsed. Because we do have outlines, like Monica said, but I kind of like to stare away from them because that's how we get the real response. But we do, you know, still want to follow the format to a certain extent. Yeah. Well, see, you made me feel so relaxed that on a recording, I said your show is dope. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, funny, it's funny because uh, Monica always says, oh yeah, to the millions of, of listeners out there and wow, we have Dr. Kentrell listening to our podcast. That's amazing. Thank you so much. And for thinking that it's like a good podcast, it means a lot to, to me and the GSP staff. Yes, absolutely. No, I, I really, really like it. Thank you. Thank you. Because we're not professionals, but we're trying. We're trying to we're trying to open new spaces for our students and uh, trying to address, like you said, from the student perspective, what do they want to hear? What do they need? And, and part of having you on here for us was giving them access to you, to um, to our to our you know enrollment management um, division so that they understand what that means as well and who enrollment management is and how it impacts and influences and supports student life. 
And so I think that was really important. And one of the reasons we wanted to have you on here because we just wanted to know who you are. And I know students are interested, like what is enrollment management about? So can we just kind of segue into that? You want to discuss that? Um, I'm like, yeah, I was just about to ask that. <laughs> mm -hmm. So yeah, so enrollment management is um, um, the work of enrollment management as a division on campus is um, we have a number of departments whose objective it is to bring people to the campus, attract people to the campus, provide access to students to get into the campus, to get enrolled, to be successful, and to graduate from the campus. I know that sounds like a lot, but, but enrollment, kind of bringing the students in, making sure they're successful and making sure they're graduating. Um, and part of the management part of enrollment management is for us to look at um, how many students we're enrolling, what our goals are for enrollment for the campus. So, so our numbers of students on campus have been growing each year. Um, so for us to manage that, for us to be able to have an idea of who's coming in, for us to be able to share with um, faculty and department chairs an idea of how many students we can expect, um, to look at you know, our mix of transfer students to incoming freshmen, graduate students, so all of our international students, and to look at that whole mix and to manage all that, but also make sure that students have the resources they need, so financial aid, um, EOP, um, um, tutoring and supplemental instruction, all of those are areas of, of enrollment management. So EOP is a department in the Division of Enrollment Management, as you know, um, mm -hmm. as many other departments. Um, recruitment, university outreach is in the division, admissions, registrar, uh, there are probably about 15 departments that, that encompass enrollment management. So that, that's the work that we do, um, right. directly with students, but also behind the scenes setting policy um, and, and, and all types of work that we do for enrollment. So, so when, the, when the question came up on campus, when we went into this virtual mode and everybody's wondering, what is our enrollment going to look like for next year? How many students are registering and all that? That falls in my area too be able to answer those questions and provide that information for the president and the provost. Mm -hmm. Got it. Any I questions? did have a question. Sure. <laughs> I've been itching to ask too. Um, you just mentioned, um, you know, with everything that's going on um, and how you have to report that to, you know, the president, but can you let us in on any of that information? Like what's going on or what's been happening since the pandemic has occurred and how is enrollment looking and is there any extra steps that we have to take as students or for myself as a senior I know this is affecting my senior year and the incoming freshmen so how is it looking as far as um, student base that's a great question so ever since the pandemic and our adjustment to the pandemic has happened as a campus we've tried to adjust to what we were seeing the needs of the students might be in every way. And enrollment is no different. So when I came in, so I just started this year, um, I haven't even completed a year yet. So, so I started July 31st of 2019. And so I'm, I'm rounding my first year. But the first thing I did when I came in is we started establishing deadlines um, for the campus for um, admissions, applications, um, and, and other deadlines that we would have for students not to penalize students, but to actually help to make them more successful, believe it or not. Um, 
and I can go into the detail of that later, but what we did was, even though we have established deadlines, we gave a lot of grace for, for students to get things in, for new students who are coming in who were experiencing problems, either getting transcripts or turning in information, we extended that for them and we're allowing them grace to get that in. Right. We've really been accommodating for students coming in um, and I can tell you surprisingly, now when this first hit, I thought everybody's going to go home, nobody's going to come to college anymore, right? Right. right. Students are terrified, they're saying, you know, they don't want to come back to school. But what's happened is um, things have kind of balanced out and leveled out again. So even as you're seeing in the store, people are back in grocery stores again, people are out in the community again. And I think people are just kind of reinserting themselves back into society. Same. Yeah, slowly. Yeah, slowly. So same thing with the admissions cycle. So with time and us allowing more time, um, the number of new students we have coming in is going to look very, very similar to, to last year. Okay, good. Very, very similar. In and fact, I honestly, as of right now, we're very, we're very, um, very close to the number we had last year of new students coming in. Okay, that's really good. Um, I I noticed um, even for, I know you're. Are you in charge of like uh, applying for like graduation and stuff as well? Yeah. Is that you? That, so, that's one of our departments. Um, if I'm not mistaken, you guys extended uh, the graduation to apply for graduation until July. I don't have the exact date, but it's July something. If I'm it's not July mistaken. 15th, but don't quote me. I know it's July something. I have to apply. I need to get on it. Please um, do. <laughs> but just that right there was very helpful because of what everything going on as far as like you know money situations and things mm -hmm. like that that extension has helped me because I'll be ready I'm gonna apply I promise you'll see my name in there but it, it really has helped so that's I like it thank you absolutely that's and that's that's how we adjust it oh, I'm sorry Daisy please no, I, I was just saying, yeah, thank you, because um, I'm going to apply to the credential program, and it really helped that, that those deadlines were extended, and that some of the tests that were needed before that I can take them after and still apply, so that's, it was a really good thing that happened for me, and thank you so much for that. Oh, very good. I, I would love to take credit for it, but it was a team effort, and, and um, what happens is, as a group, people will identify needs. And we do our best to listen to them and make adjustments and make the changes where we need to. So that, that's a place that I get to sit and, and I get the, the, the privilege and honor to be able to have influence to help make those changes to support our students. On that note, because we're talking about the transition, how has the transition impacted you or affected you personally and within this new role professionally? So you'll, you'll hear the joke that I say all the time, being at home for two months um, and having the gyms closed, I think I put on the COVID-19 pounds. Yes. So, so yeah, I think, I think that was hard and uh, it, it broke my exercise routine and yeah. it's not like I'm some kind of fitness person or anything like that, but it, it keeps balance, right? Yes. So, you know, I'm working out, I'm, I'm, I work and I, community work and you know there's lots of work work and stressful things going on and so having that as, as a release was a good thing to have but when that right. closed I tried to make adjustments and, and, and go outside and do some things and it was just so different um, yeah. being inside a lot was different right um, 
my home being turned into um, an office for both my wife and me. My wife is in the other room right now. She's a social worker. Mm -hmm. there and her job is high stress so she's working and the room she's sitting in is the room that we usually sit and watch movies in or watch tv in but that's right. her workspace now right how do you flip your mind of okay i'm sitting in the same chair but now i'm going to turn on the tv and, and entertain myself it's just you know what i mean so all those yeah. worlds begin to collapse yeah. on each other yeah and being balance in that mm -hmm. very challenging personally but, but I was able to figure it out and work it out. And, you know, literally right now, you don't, you don't see this, but since we're being transparent, I'm sitting in my kitchen right now. I'm in my closet. She had, to, she had to hurry up and cook <laughs> and finish and so she can get out of here so I could do this, this call. Yeah. There have been times that I've sat in this chair and I've been on Zoom calls back to back and I didn't eat all day, even though I'm literally sitting in the kitchen. So the irony of our spaces being transformed into other things and, and all that. So th those were personal challenges at first, but we were able to overcome those. Absolutely. I'm like, honestly, we all can relate to that. Like I mentioned earlier, like I'm a new mom. So when I'm at home, that means take care of the baby. So now my home space, my baby is four months. So now my home space, so she sees me, she's like, and she's she makes like this little gasping noise like <gasps> and that means pick me up right so i'll be on the phone with monica and she's like <gasps> i'm like okay <laughs> thank god she's like in a i literally just put her to sleep right before this podcast and like it's just my my bedroom to me sitting on my bed that means sleep that means sleep, go to sleep, watch TV, go to sleep. So now I'm trying to transition that space into, because I need my baby to be occupied while I'm working. So I have to kind of sit in my bed or have her next to me. So I have to change that space into my sleep relaxed space. Now that's into homework and workspace. Mm -hmm. So it's like trying to find that balance. Right now I'm in my living room because I didn't want to wake her up, but all of us talking, but majority of the time I'm either in the baby's room, I'm in my room. Sometimes I have to sit in my car to get some quiet and it's hot in Bakersfield. So I'm like <laughs> with the AC on, burning gas. I'm like, it's it has been a transition for all of us. Monica, she has her clothes in the background. She's in her closet. Like, you know, it's quiet here it's, it's quiet in my dressing room like my dog's right there and this is just spare dressing room so it's my only quiet private space and so i maximized it and put a desk in here didn't anticipate working like this from home so i get it but dr cantrell i have to make you aware that we are also a very wellness oriented program and we have virtual workouts twice a week so if you ever want to join, and we have students who join in but don't video in, they'll just audio in, you're welcome anytime. And our students and our wellness kind of expert, Erica, would love to see you there. Even if you just want to see what we're doing, you're welcome twice a week. And we do a lot of group workouts, even now virtually, and we post those on our social media as well. And we are putting them on our YouTube channel. So if you ever need that inspiration, Erica actually was a trainer at the Student Recreation Center for six years in her undergrad. So she's working with us now. 
she keeps us on track. So we, I've gained weight. I, I don't want to speak for my assistants, but I know I am like, what's going on? Like really? So we really put an emphasis on that and, and have had to the last couple of months. So it's there if you ever want to join us. Oh, that's great. Thank you. I'm, I'd love to check it out. And I'm happy that my gym has opened back up finally. So yes. getting in and, and getting it in and getting it done. But I do want to check out your spot. Let me know. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So Just let me know and I'll add you on. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to cut you guys off, but I have to go. Um, thank you, Dr. Cantrell for tuning in. Uh, thank you, Monica. Thank you, Daisy. Bye everybody. All right. Bye Jojo. See you. Oh, before, before you go, can I tell you something real quick? Yes. I you, you and I share the CSUN experience. I came to CSUB from CSUN, so I don't know if you knew that or not. So you might have been there when I was there. Monica be so mad. I'd be like, oh, CSUN had this and we did this. And she'd be like. <laughs> so so we'll, we'll talk later, but, but you oh, yes, have been I, there when I was working there. Yes, I was there from 2012. I was there 2012, 2013, and summer, to, summer 2014. But then I stopped for like three years and then I came to Bakersfield. Yep, we were there at the same time. Wow. There you go. Small world. Very. You know Shiva? Absolutely. Shiva's a very good friend of mine. Absolutely. Like, like, get off the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) No. No. I'm glad you're definitely now. I want I want to make a point of where you are now and who you're working with now. That's all I love. I love CSUB. But Northridge was, to be honest, I didn't get as I didn't get accepted to a lot of schools, and I was really surprised that um, Northridge accepted me. I didn't apply to CSUB, but um, I didn't even think I was gonna get into Northridge, and I was I think the only school that accepted me honestly, and. Mm-hmm. I was like, at first I was honestly sad. I know I got to go, but I was honestly sad that I, you know, that I didn't get accepted. But once I got there, it was great. And then I didn't think I was going to get accepted to CSUB either. And then I got in and it's, it's great. So we go, we going to connect. I promise. Yes, please do. Yes, please do. Hi, Jojo. Bye, you guys. Bye. Have a good day. Bye. I'll, I'll finish up the recording, Jojo. Thank you. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Okay, Dr. Cantrell, we're not quite done with you yet, but Jojo, well, take your time. Two, she works two jobs and she's heading off to her other one. So okay. um, anyway, but it's so funny that you and Jojo know each other because I met Jojo through my former student assistant who was from South Central. She recruited Jojo once Jojo stopped going to Northridge to come out to CSU Bakersfield and continue her education here. So she was re-entry. So I met Jojo through another assistant. And the second I met her, I was like, I want to work with her. I want to work with her. I want her on my team. Same with Daisy. Daisy was my student eight years ago. And I kept these young women and men in mind. And at any point where I'm like, I can bring them on and work with them. I get them in because they're talented and charismatic and they're fun. They're just fun people to be around. And that is what I want you know, the energy around me and for this program to be, and they bring it all the time. So I love the, I told her, I said, you two are going to have some things in common. I know it, like I could feel it. So that's awesome. Right. So great. Um, Okay. So let's go on because another thing that some of our students were curious about was 
what were some of the challenges maybe you had going through your education and then maybe your your post-grad work um, share with them if you if you want to and if you can anything that maybe you came up against so so one um, I mentioned you know kind of growing up with single mom and and in her mind college was not even a that's, you're going I mean it's not even right. we're not even going to discuss it that's just part of the plan right um, but my mother didn't finish college you know mm-hmm. she, she dropped out and had kids and, and did her thing um, so she ended up going back after I graduated, but through the process, she wasn't really familiar with the process. She's a single mom. She was working all the time. So really, um, I had some some help through some support programs I was part of, but I was doing much of this by myself. Right. So I had I had to navigate this. It was me. And so I had to get stuff done and I had to figure out financial aid and get her to sign it. And she she's wondering, why am I trying to get her to sign all these documents and forms and all that stuff. So it was just trying to figure out out and navigate this stuff on my own, really. Um, and then when I got to school, um, it, again, I was in that weird space. Now, back when I was in school, financial aid rules were different. And so what they did is they used your house as collateral of your financial aid eligibility. They, they stopped doing that years later. But when I was in school, they used your house. So I just mentioned to you earlier how we couldn't afford to be there. Right. struggling to literally keep the lights on but right. we lived in, a, in an expensive area they counted that and so I didn't get any financial aid right. and I had to work and I was an athlete so I was an athlete who was not on scholarship but I was an athlete right. and I was I was doing sports going to school I was trying to do everything I got an EOP grant um, but other than that I didn't get any money so I, I was hustling and grinding and on top of that I was not a very good student I tell people all the time, I mean, it was, school was hard for me. So for some people, I would see people study, get A's. I, I, I couldn't get A's. I just, I, school just didn't come easy for me. I had to work hard. And, you know, uh, I'm, I'm one of those guys who was trying to be a, trying to be the man and the athlete and hard yeah. and doing all that. And, and school wasn't necessarily my priority. So I wasn't doing well anyway without having study habits. So all of those were kind of struggles for me. Um, and, and all of that, as I look back, those were identity things. I was trying to find my identity through this process. Um, and it was really challenging for me. So I, I flunked out. I got disqualified and I had to work my way back in um, and, you know, had to go to a community college, take a couple of classes, get B's and transfer back in. And no one knew, no one on campus knew. Yeah. I did. I was at San Jose State, flunked out of school. I didn't tell anybody. And what I would do, I had a bunch of friends on campus. So I would carry my backpack. Literally, I did this. I would carry my backpack and I would walk through campus and say hi to everybody. And I would walk all the way through campus and I'd get on the bus and go to the community college. Wow. Oh, I just saw doing, I just saw you, right? Yeah, I just saw, you know, I'm saying hi. So nobody knew at all. Yeah. Up transferring back and, and no one knew the wiser. So I really had to do a lot of, um, there, there were people helping, but I really had to navigate a lot of spaces and navigate a lot of identity issues yes. that I was going through. Can I speak to that? Because you and I have common. I came along about three years after you in your undergrad, you know, freshman entrance experience. And because of my parents' income, even though, um, you know, the farm waivers and then started moving up. But at that point, because of our, our home, I couldn't get financial aid. 
and I had to work two jobs and go to school mm -hmm. full time and I paid cash for my undergrad. Bonus was I got out without student loans in undergrad. The difficult thing was it impacted, again, my student experience, my academic um, experience, and I DQ'd out. And I carried a lot of shame about that, like you, because I didn't understand that so many of the external factors played into why I was DQing out, that it wasn't that I wasn't bright, that I couldn't do it. There was not a whole lot of a support system there. And I also didn't understand what I needed as a working student in undergrad. And so it took me a lot of years to kind of work through that shame and be able to discuss that I had DQ'd out, but I went to Bakersfield College for one summer, got straight A's, came back, re-entered and continued on. But I really try to dispel some of that shame and those super high expectations and that shame that comes with making mistakes and having to start over and trying again. And, and I think that's one thing that we try to do with guardian scholars and EOP in general is allow for interruptions and, and celebrate people re-entering higher education and their plan and, and not feeling bad about it, but just knowing that that was a step, you know, and that's really human to go through those things, especially when you come into higher education with certain things not in place or maybe certain support systems or financial stuff, not as strong as maybe some other students. So I thank you for sharing that. I think that's a really important conversation um, for our students to hear that it doesn't have to be perfect. And one of the things that President Zelesny talked about was her nonlinear road to where she is now. And I think so many times students think it's always been perfect and planned out and they got where they are by perfect planning and perfect performance, it's not always the way that it is, so. Yeah, and, and, and part of the reason of what motivated me to do the work I do now is because of going through those spaces. Me too. Being in San Jose, I mean, it started at Long Beach, but being in San Jose mm -hmm. um, and having people who, who caught me. Who right. Said, All right, this is what's going on, this is what you need to do. That's how I knew how to get back in because right. someone got me down and said, all right, look, here's what you need to do. Stop messing around, get your stuff together. They didn't say stuff, but get your stuff together. <laughs> yes. And, and man up and, right. and it's done. And so I had people in my face who were in EOP and in other programs and some of my professors. I was in a fraternity at the time and I had some of my fraternity brothers positive. I mean, right. early. So this is back in the day when, when people were still pledging. And so I remember I was in the fraternity organization and th this is the positive peer pressure. Um, um, I, I hid this as long as I could, but then I think one of the guys must've found out or something, but literally I had three of my fraternity brothers literally grab me, literally slam me up against the wall and literally tell me, get your stuff together. Yeah. Hey stuff, get your stuff together. We don't just go to school, we graduate. Right. Absolutely. And, and Absolutely. said these words, said these words, don't be another black man who flunks out of school. Said those words to me and pinned me up against the wall and said, now get your stuff together. Right. And I kind of, you know, and I don't want to do a gender thing, but I mean, I, I kind of needed that because again, I grew up single mom and all that and I had coaches and other, but to have guys who said, we're not, we're not going to stand for this, get your stuff together, let's go. Right. I really needed that. And I look back on those moments and say, these are the ones who when I when I didn't tell EOP the whole story or when I, right. when I 
in going to see the counselors as I should, having those positive reinforcements really helped to get me through. Absolutely, absolutely. And I also think that moments, like that hard moments, um, where like Monica says, it's not easy. Um, sometimes you're not gonna get straight A's. Sometimes you're gonna get F's and you're gonna get disqualified. Like I also um, was re really close to getting disqualified, but I went to extended university and paid out of my own pocket and with my son and working. And so those are the moments that made me feel like if I did that, there's so much more that I can do. I can keep going. It's not gonna be easy. It's not gonna be fast, but it's doable doable so yeah. absolutely and, and and i'll say this to to any of the listeners is that the undergraduate experience was difficult for me i graduated with a 2.01 gpa mm. which means i barely made it but i graduated <laughs> grad, grad school i mean i was like a fish in water in grad school i mean i was studying the things i wanted to study i was i was doing it for the first time i started getting a's and, and i was mad that i got less than an a on something so it really it really clicked afterwards, but yeah. academically, the undergrad experience was more difficult than the grad experience. Right. I think something clicks in graduate school because you work really hard to get there, first of all. And then second of all, you are really studying within your field. And I try to, to encourage my undergraduate students to remember that there is a, there's a whole nother piece of academia and learning that's so unique for them and is so... Um, it's so communal that I really feel like if I can just get them there, I know they're going to be great. They're going to fly after that. And they do. And I know Daisy is going to do that as well. Daisy and I have been working really closely for her entire undergraduate experience. And she's going in the credential program, going to become a teacher. And we've had many conversations like this. And so many. <laughs> yeah. Monica has been my like mentor. She went yeah, I would just go in there whenever I was feeling like I couldn't do it anymore. And she always helped me. She always motivated me. She said, let's get out a pencil, a pen. Let's make a list. What are you going to do? And yeah, I, I'm really appreciative to her. And yeah. Yeah. I'm proud of you, Daisy. And now yeah, we're working together. Yeah, it's awesome. Okay, Dr. Cantrell, out of all of that, um, what are some lessons maybe you learned that you'd like to share with our student listeners? Um, I, I think one of the lessons that you shared is, is critical is that there's no one way to get this done. Mm -hmm. um, that there's, there's not a one way, there's not a one, I mean, we're all different, we're all different people, we learn differently, we come from different backgrounds, and even if we're the same, in the same ethnic group, there's a diversity of experiences, thought processes, learning abilities, um, uh, wh where we are on the identity spectrum, all of that is very, very different. We're all unique. And, and I think um, part of our development is to embrace those uniquenesses and not shy away from them. That's one. So we're not weird if I don't get it or if I don't understand it or, or that kind of thing. And I think we, we also need to know that, that we have a system of people who are ready to help. Right. So not the Daisies and the JoJo's and everybody else who are, I mean, who are just waiting, just just it, just passionately waiting for people to just ask. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes with students coming in, they're like, oh, I don't want to bother people, or you know, right. no, no, you're busy, and 
you know, not, my question is not that important. You have so many other important things to do, but this is what we do. This is why we do this so that we can help people get through. So no question is a bad question. No scenario is a dumb scenario. And there's no experience. When you have the guardian scholars and you have the EOP staff, there is no experience that anyone can bring up that, that we haven't either experienced ourselves or heard about already. Mm -hmm. People might say, oh, my experience, no, but no one will really understand. There's somebody who's going to understand and could possibly be walking through that same thing. So asking for help, um, I, I think those, those things are critical. But the other thing I think is really important that I want everybody to know, and I always encourage students, staff, and everyone else, is that we're not just here for us. Right. I'm not just here to get mine. Right. Um, I'm, I'm here so that I can, yes, get myself in a position, and there's nothing wrong with being, you know, in a good place financially and in a career and all that, but I'm here for someone else. And I got here because of someone else. Right. So I, I need to keep the doors open so other people can come in so my success is not just so I can be successful. One, my success is so I can motivate somebody that you can do this too, right. but also so that you can get up here and help me keep this door open so that other people can come through and that they can succeed as well. Right. That is a woo-woo moment. That's good stuff, Cantrell. Thank you. I was just about to ask you, what was your personal goal for the enrolled, enrollment management department? But I think that you just said that right there. <laughs> one, one of my goals for, for, our, our, for our division um, with all of our departments is to, to get us to a place where um, we can be more, we can, we can establish a system and systems that are student friendly, that our students can navigate and that they can get through and be successful, but then also establish systems. So this is gonna sound, you know, up there. But, but once so students can get through and they can navigate, but also I want us to have departments in our division that establish cultures that staff enjoy doing their work. Right. Um, we, we work for the state. So a lot of people will work for the state because it's stable, right? I got good benefits, good job, whatever. I can just lock in and do my job. But I want us to have spaces where people feel like they're thriving for students and for the staff, people who are working. That, that they want to be there, they're excited about their work, they're in the right position doing the right thing, because when they're excited, they're happier to help the students get through, and we don't lose focus on the reason why we're all here in the first place. Yeah, thank you for saying that. I completely agree, and that's something that I think I strive for just for Guardian and my staff, is creating a, a culture and a climate that they want to be a part of, that they're excited about, where they can stay innovative and creative and motivated because I then need them to go and transfer that to our students. And I wanna work that way. You know, I don't wanna work in a way where I'm not inspired and I'm not driven to give the best of myself that I can every day. And it, it has to start there. So. Thank you very much for making that one of the goals of enrollment management because I know that it's super important to me as well. So thank you. Um, I definitely do see it every time I walk into any department. Um, the, the people working there are so excited to help me. Sometimes I didn't even know what question I had and they were just happy to help me to tell me all of my options like and everything. So I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Good, very good. 
Okay, well, we're going to move on um, for just the last portion of our podcast. It's a little bit more fun and helps us get to know you a little bit better. Um, So we, every week, choose a tip, trick, or pick of the week where we share something that we're interested in, that we're into, that's serving us well. So um, I'll let Daisy start with her tip, trick, or pick, and then we'll just go through them and we'll move on. So my tip would be um, gardening. Like it, it's such a like a small accomplishment to see that you planted a seed and just like see it grow and like know that you watered it and it's kind of like a tiny baby. So if maybe you're at your house and you don't know what to do and you're watching TV all day, like maybe get a tomato and just get the seeds from it and plant it and water it and take care of it and it's gonna help you feel a little bit better and make your day a little bit brighter. <laughs> awesome. That's good stuff, Daisy. Thank you. Dr. Cantrell? Wow. Okay. So a tip. That's an interesting one. Um, so here, here. well, I, I have a few of them, I guess, but <laughs> okay. I, I have one that's school related. Okay. All right. Here, here's a tip for school. You can do a couple. It's okay. okay. All right. Here, here's, here's, a, here's a tip for school that I learned. I, okay. It's too bad this is being recorded, but I'm, I'm going to take it. <laughs> okay, I learned this in school. So it's important that you participate, right? So here's one tip. If you're shy and you're a student, but you have to get participation points, right? Prepare for class really well, right? And then go in and raise your hand first and jump out there and do something that's really obvious and just say, oh, I was reading this and I thought it was really good that blah, blah, blah. And just throw it out there and then you don't have to say anything else for the rest of the class. Right, right. <laughs> Daisy, have I not said that to you? Yeah, she says that all the yes. Okay, you sounded like you had a couple. Do you wanna share another one really quickly? I'll, I'll let you go first and, and you can come Okay. Back. Okay, so mine is workout oriented because I, if anybody knows me, I love to work out. I work out every day. I rarely skip a day. But with, you know, self-isolation in place, our gyms having closed for a little while, I've just slacked. And I am not proud of that, but I have slacked. And so I was making excuses about the heat and timing, and I have all these Zoom meetings and everything under the sun. So what I have done is I've begun to work out at night. And I'm usually an early morning workout person, but I find that when the sun goes down and it's cool, my body feels a little regenerated at that point. And I don't know what's going on physiologically, but it's just working for me. So I'm working out probably between 8.30 and 9.30, and then I give myself a little 30 minute window to wind down and kind of start preparing for bed. Um, But it's working out. So my tip is if your normal workout routine is not working, adjust. Whether it's during the day and you're scheduling something or maybe at night right before bed that helps you wind down or maybe just the cool of the evening is motivating to me. I've become a night workout person and I just got a bike. I keep talking to my staff about this and I've been riding at night and it's so meditative almost. So wherever you can fit it in, fit it in because you'll feel so much better the next day and it builds on itself. Those good feelings, those endorphins being released, that's a building process in our bodies. That's my tip of the week. No excuses, build it in, schedule it. Even if you have to try new things, do it because you'll feel better for it. Very 
so so here's here's my my other tip um tip is we have to disconnect yes there's there's way too much news and everything going on that's happening right now in our society so we got to stay informed but we have to disconnect so make sure here's 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 my here's my tip my tip is every night before I go, to, I don't know why I'm telling you all this. You're making me real. Right. <laughs> every, every night before I go to bed, I'll TMZ. I have to disconnect. Yes. <laughs> disconnect and watch something silly, something stupid, laugh a little. But, yes. but we have to, whatever that silly thing is, that funny thing is, something that's just whatever, we have to make sure that we're disconnecting and laughing and enjoying so that that's my tip yeah one thing i like to watch after i watch all the bad news um on the media is i like to watch um costco hauls i know that's weird but like just people <laughs> and what they buy at costco and yeah. that's why i disconnect a little bit too yes we all have our guilty pleasure i watch um face care, skincare videos, obsessively. It's crazy, but it helps me just to clear my mind for a minute. And anyway, thank you for sharing your tips with us. I appreciate it. And thank you, Daisy, too. So we have a series of fire questions. You can go into as much or little detail as you'd like answering these, and then um, we'll close it up. So series of fire questions, here we go. Snow or sand? Snow. Listener or talker? Listener. One word to describe yourself. Persistent. One important skill that you think everyone should have. Um, so, so this is gonna sound weird. One important skill is people need to learn how to be multilingual. Culturally multilingual. What I mean by that is you need to be able to learn how to navigate different spaces effectively. Right. That's what I mean by that. We're learning that right now too. So okay, I'm not supposed to comment. I'm sorry. Okay. okay. Best thing in your life. Best thing in my life, my faith. Favorite board game. Because she might be listening to me. <laughs> <laughs> we assume that was like right up there. So, yeah. That's an assumption um, and a correct one. Favorite board game? Ooh, that's a good one. Well, this isn't a board game, but Domino's is my favorite game. But I would say Monopoly. Okay. If you could travel anywhere, where would you go? Mm. Africa. Favorite cartoon? Bugs Bunny. <laughs> what is your most valuable life lesson? Um, don't forget where you came from. Okay. Last one. Toughest teacher. Toughest teacher? Life. Ooh, good answer. Great answer. Okay, Dr. Kentrell, we want to thank you so much from our hearts for joining us today and for allowing us to grow in this new uh, forum that we're practicing with and for being transparent and willing and 
encouraging. Thank you so much and supporting our program. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you so Absolutely. much. Yeah, yeah. I am, I'm honored. I'm above honored to have been chosen to be part of this program and, and, and to be on this, this podcast and anytime you ever need anything. And I'll say this, and this is in recording, if you ever need anything, whoever's listening, um, please contact me, let me know, and, and I'm, I'm happy to, to serve in any way. But I, I full support and whatever you need, I'm here. Thank you. Likewise, you have our support and we're here in it and continuing to work. And if you ever need anything from us as a program, we're happy to help you. So uh, that goes both ways. Um, anyway, thank you to all of our listeners, our millions of listeners out there. We're so glad you joined us for our eighth podcast. Thank you for uh, continuing to support us and encouraging us as we grow and we learn how to do this. Thank you to all of my uh, student staff and, and my support system out there who helps us produce this. Um, we appreciate you. Again, please follow us on Instagram at CSUB Guardians. You can find us on Spotify at Unguarded. Um, by CSUB Guardians, and we look forward to seeing you and hearing from you, and um, thank you guys for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Thank you, Dr. Kinchel.